Hello, and welcome to Wide Open Spaces with Elise, a podcast. This is episode 51, The Gauntlet That Is School. Thank you so much for joining me today. You can listen to my podcast anywhere you love to listen to podcasts. Apple, iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts. Just pop those earbuds in or put it on in your car and listen to Wide Open Spaces with Elise. Good afternoon. You can also go to my website, wideopenspaceswithelise.com. Elise is spelled I-L-I-S-E. I've been putting a blog in a day or two before I publish my podcast. The blog is a supplement to this podcast, so if you don't have time to listen, you can always just go to my website and get a little bit of what this podcast was about and hopefully pull some positive, healthy, and constructive ways to increase your positive mental health. So, school is about to start, or it has started for many of us in the U.S. already. Globally, school starts everywhere, but in the U.S., it starts between the month of August and up north, usually after Labor Day weekend in September. So school, everything that it entails. So what I'd like to do is something I did for my daughter years ago, who's now a teenager. But the night before kindergarten, I read her story. So I'd like to start this podcast out with a story. It's called The Night Before Kindergarten by Natasha Wing and illustrated by Julie Durrell. The Night Before Kindergarten. Twas the night before kindergarten, and as they prepared, kids were excited and a little bit scared. They tossed and they turned about in their beds while visions of school supplies danced in their heads. Erasers and crayons and pencils galore were stuffed in their backpacks and set by the door. Outfits were hung in the closets with care, knowing that kindergarten soon would be there. In the morning it came, school starts today, Would the teacher be nice? Would they still get to play? Faces were washed and teeth were brushed white. Kids posed for pictures with eyes sparkling bright. Parents packed snacks and kids hopped in cars and if they were boarding a spaceship to Mars. Some kids brought blankets or their favorite stuffed bear in hopes they could nap like they did in daycare. Their parents exclaimed, you're big kids, wow. Let us hold your bears and blankets for now. The parents were worried their children would cry if they left them at school with just a goodbye. So they told their darlings, if you want, we can stay and make sure that everything will be a-okay. The teacher then greeted each one with a smile and invited students to stay for a while. The room was all filled with toys, books, and maps. But where were the beds for their mid-morning naps? They colored and painted and played, Simon says. They tumbled and skipped and stood on their heads. They sang silly songs from beginning to end. Within just a minute, each kid had a friend. 
The children were happy. They loved Miss Sunrise. It was she who was in for a giant surprise. When what to her wondering eyes should appear, but sad moms and dads who were holding back tears, their noses so sniffy, their eyes red and wet. This was the saddest goodbye Miss Sunrise had seen yet. She gathered the grown-ups on the magical rug, then sent them away after one final hug. The children all waved from the door at the school. Don't cry, Mom and Dad. Kindergarten is cool. Again, that was by Natasha Wing and illustrated by Julie Durrell. I'd like to thank the author and the illustrator for such a wonderful book that over 16 years ago I read to my little kindergartner at the time. It was so magical. I remember how excited and nervous she was. I even have a picture of her with her thumbs up on her bed in her PJs the night before school, and we read this book. It is quite a magical time when little ones go to school. When any of our kids go to school, my kids are all grown up almost, and still one's in college and has the first day jitters, and one's in high school and has her first day jitters. But I really thought to myself when it came to this school year, as a podcast about mental health, how do I not address the school year? I mean, school's something we've been doing forever and ever. But we haven't been doing school during a global pandemic forever and ever. And so I thought I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about how this time is taking a toll on our children from pre-K through college and grad school. How it's changed what school looks like and feels like. And all the nervousness and anxiety that these children are feeling before they go to school. I mean, it kind of starts, if you remember, even if you're my old ripe age, those commercials that would start, like in July, about get your school supplies, get your backpacks, get your lunch boxes, get your folders, get your notebooks. I remember it used to annoy the heck out of me because I'm like, I'm in summer. School is tough. Let me enjoy my summer. I get it. That's what advertisers do. But my kids do the same thing. Why are they showing us school commercials when we're right in the middle of summer? And so that's really where it starts to begin. The thought, even though they're enjoying themselves in their summer frolics and fun with friends, the thoughts put in their head that school is coming sooner than later. So last year, you really had two sets of students. The schools that allowed in person and the parents that wanted to send them their children to school did school in person. Now for them, school was very different. The classes weren't packed with children. There was a lot less kids. They didn't see their friends that they made from the year before if they were staying home. The learning environment was different because it was them, a few of them, with one teacher. So they got more attention, more focus, and more help. Now granted, it wasn't a normal school year for them. They still were wearing masks. 
They still had to social distance. They couldn't hug their friends. And let's not forget all that antibacterial cleanser that they constantly were wiping on their hands or wiping their desks down. I mean, the only time they got freedom was when they ate lunch. That was their school year for the kids who went to school. That was their new normal. And for the most part, I'd say most of them fared pretty well. Now the other half, the kids who stayed home that weren't doing, there's always a group of kids who are doing virtual school or homeschooled. I'm talking about the kids who normally went to brick and mortar schools and now are virtually home. My child was home for a year and a half because that's when lockdown started. And so I saw all kinds of changes in her and the learning process was very different and her, their faces, the virtual kids, were on a whiteboard so the kids in class could see them. So they were a part of the class, but not a part of the class. They weren't involved in the discussions, and it was hard for them to ask questions. And let's face it, you're at home. Who's getting dressed up to go onto a video chat for school? They throw a cute shirt on, and that's about it. Did their hair? What did the kids do? That's what they all did when they were from home. I mean, you saw the iconic pictures of the news broadcasters who were virtually doing news broadcasting from home and then, oops, the camera went down, they had shorts on. So that was the same thing for these virtual kids. And like my daughter said, one thing she'll miss about it is that she can't get Starbucks delivered every day while she's in school, in the brick and mortar school. So that was the virtual students. They felt very disconnected. I've talked to a lot of kids who did virtual school in my research, and they felt very disconnected. Forget the fact that they weren't being normal kids and not socializing with their friends. And let's face it, that's the fun part about school is seeing your friends and socializing and doing the art activities and getting your hands when you're younger and the finger paint and all that stuff. If you're doing virtual school, that whole experience was twisted and changed and different. And they felt disconnected. So now you have these two sets of kids, the ones who went and the ones who stayed home. And now they're all going back. Now where we live, there's a whole political thing about masks, no masks. Where I live, kids are wearing masks. Where my daughter goes to school, kids are wearing masks. So it gives a little sense of security. But a child who was home virtually because of the virus is now going back to school and the virus is just as bad. Granted, there's masks. Granted, they certain age groups, not all, can be vaccinated. So there's that sense of security. But the parents who cannot vaccinate their children 11 and younger still having to send their kids to school with masks on for protection. It's different. And so all these thoughts, imagine these young little minds, it's a gauntlet. It, it's like running through a maze, all the thoughts that are going through their head. How should I handle this? Should I go to the left? Should I go to the right? How do I maneuver being with kids again? I mean, a lot of kids have social anxiety now, especially the ones who stayed home or even the ones who didn't stay home because they were in small groups and now the groups will be larger. So we're seeing a tremendous amount of increase in social anxiety in these kids 
who aren't used to being around a lot of kids and a lot of people and socializing. I mean, let's face it, getting going through that gauntlet socially is rather tough. And it's a lot of thought on how you interact with other kids. And so I see it mostly now through the teenager's eyes, but I saw it years ago when my children were younger, and I see it through college students' eyes. I mean, they still have all the fears and the unknown, and most of the college students were doing home virtually. They weren't even on campus. Now they're back to campus, going into classrooms. Classrooms are packed tight, sitting next to people with masks on. It's really rather confusing and overwhelming. And these kids have a big weight on their shoulders. How to handle this new year? I talk to a lot of teenagers and some younger kids and lots of anxiety. Lots of fears of walking into that door or that open house that first day. And How are they going to be received? How are they going to be received by the kids who were actually there last year? How are those kids going to receive all those new kids and old kids coming back? I mean, we, they all had these normal things that we've dealt with in school throughout the years. But now add this COVID phenomena that affects school kids in such an impactful way. It adds so many more layers onto what they have to deal with. So it's quite hard for them to cope and really wrap their brains around it. And I think as parents or family members or friends, whoever are, you may be a guardian of a child and not their parent, need to be aware. Really watch the kids. Make sure they're okay. Because when your kids used to say, oh, I went through this with some kid, you could kind of say, when I went to school, I did this, and this is how I handled it. We can't say that to our kids because we didn't go to school during a global pandemic. So we really can't identify with that aspect with them. We just have to try to relate and connect with them so that they're feeling heard and that we're making sure they're okay. I mean, I wish it was as easy as the night before kindergarten. All those little butterflies and nerves, but knowing that your child's going to have an exciting day and they're going to come home and tell you how wonderful kindergarten was. Not so sure we're all going to get that when our kids come home because they're going to be overwhelmed. And we need to listen and acknowledge these changes that they're going through that are very difficult. It's hard to be virtual and then go sit in a classroom again and have a teacher right in front of you and start to ask questions again. It's very, um, creates a lot of anxiety and uneasiness in these kids who have been home for so long. And then the kids who are there feeling almost as if they're being overpowered by those kids who have come in that were virtual. So where's the balance? What, what do we do? How do we handle this as parents? Especially with them wearing masks. I mean, think about it. Our face expresses who we are. 
through facial expressions, and then we have body language, and we have verbal communication. Now, we still have verbal communication, and we still can see body language, but with our masks on, we don't see the facial expressions. So when a teacher is teaching a class, the kids have to decipher all this information. And it may be quite hard for them to decipher it without seeing that teacher smile or grimace or have a, a very serious face on when talking about serious topics. I mean, even the little ones, they don't get to see the teacher smile. They have to start to analyze their teachers by their body language, by what they're saying and what they see in their eyes. It's a new thing. I mean, the eyes are the window to the soul. You hear that saying all the time. But I've never really been in touch with it or noticed it more since we've all started to have to wear masks. You really notice the people's eyes and what's going on in their eyes. You can see how they might be feeling. If you really look, the eyes are the window to the soul. It's almost become another form of communication. Not that we all saw people's eyes when we would talk to them before, but we also saw their mouths and their facial expressions and then their body movements added to it, the body language and the verbal. And so the focus wasn't always on the eyes. Now, I'm a big believer that when you're talking to somebody, you must maintain eye contact. Not in a creepy way or make them uncomfortable, but in a way that lets that person know that you're hearing them and you're listening to them. So I have been someone who focuses on the eyes a lot. But still, it's almost like the eyes have gotten bigger because I see them more. I spoke to a teenager and she was at her open house at her school. And she was telling me how this girl gave her a dirty look. And so I said, well, how do you know she gave you a dirty look if she had a mask on? And she said it was all in the eyes. She could tell by the eyes and the movement and the look and the stare that it was a dirty look. Now, I don't think we'd ever hear that from kids before. We'd hear that person gave a dirty look. Well, how do you know? Well, they had this look on their face and they were saying this. So communication is changing from this pandemic. I mean, we knew communication was changing because we weren't in person. We had to Zoom and we didn't have a lot of physical contact with others. But it's changing with these masks on. We're adapting as a species on how to read people through their eyes and only their eyes at times. So it's very interesting to hear this teenager talk about it. And I know when I've talked to kids about school, I could see with their masks on the fear, the anxiety, and some had a sparkle because they were excited. But I could see the sparkle as they were talking, though I couldn't see their mouth. So think about this gauntlet of hearing about school in the summer and then having to get ready and go into brick and mortar if you've never been there or having all these kids come into this school that was very small and more quaint last year, and having to deal with social anxiety and 
social distancing and wearing masks and cleaning your hands all the time and cleaning your desks all the time. It's a gauntlet. It's a maze. And how do your kids navigate it? Now we have to trust and hope that we've given them the skills, even as little kindergartners, as innocent as they are, that we've given some of them the skills to navigate the best that they can. But we also, as parents, need to be in touch. Through my years, I've gained different skills on how to deal with young kids to kids who are in college. And I think a good, easy task that a parent or a caregiver or a guardian can do with their student is have their student before school starts or after the first week of school, if you're just listening to this and they've started already, have them make a list. Have them write down five things that they're looking forward to about this school year. And then have them write five things that they're worried about, concerned, or scared about. Give them time to really think. Leave them. Don't stand over and hover, wait for their answers. Give them some time. Or even tell them, listen, I want to do this with you, so this is what I'm going to ask you to do, so I'm going to give you some time to think about it, and we'll get together at whatever time, and we'll talk about it. If you have a kid who's already got homework going on, you don't want to overwhelm them. And once you do sit down with them, Ask them to read you only two from the list of what they're looking forward to and only two from the list of what they're nervous or uncertain or worried about. Let them keep the other three for themselves. It's very important as kids are growing up to let them know that they have their own privacy and personal space with their guardians or their parents or their siblings or their friends because that creates an environment for them to want to tell you things that are important, that you should know about. If you give them that balance of privacy and personal space, but also let them know that you're there and you want to be connected to what's going on with them. So discuss with them. It doesn't have to be in depth, but discuss with them the two things from each list. And maybe help them if it's something they're worried about before school starts or something that's already going on, help them problem solve. Help them to problem solve themselves. Have them come up with answers. And when you talk about the things they're looking forward to, maybe some of those things have happened or you'll ask them and remember and ask them if these things have happened yet when you have further talks. It's just a great non-invasive way for a parent or guardian or family member to be connected to their student without them feeling like they're being interrogated or um, being accused of doing things they shouldn't be doing. It gives them a sense of you respect them, you want to know about them, but you're not going to push them. You're going to allow them to keep some things to themselves. Now, I recommend doing this on a monthly basis because let's face it, whether they're in kindergarten or in graduate school and college, Things are always changing day by day and week by week. So doing this on a monthly basis and having them reevaluate and think. And by them thinking, it may help them before something that they're 
perceiving might happen, it'll give them techniques to think about so that they can handle it when that does happen. Whether it's communication or socialization issues or feeling overwhelmed about exams and projects or just looking forward to going on a field trip that's something exciting that they're going to do in school or getting into chorus and singing with the chorus. How does it feel to sing with the chorus? Are you a tenor? Are you a soprano? Where do you stand? Ask them those fun questions. Now on a daily basis, of course, we don't want to just ask our kids once a month, how are you doing? We want to know daily or every other day because that's our job as parents or guardians or caretakers is to know, you know, engage with them and let them know that we want to know. So I found through my personal experience and my professional experience, the best way is to be not too intrusive. So when your kid gets home off the bus or gets in your car after carpool or after their sports or clubs that they're involved in during the day or aftercare, just say, how was PE today? How was lunch today? Ask just one question. These are just examples. Oh, today was art. What did you do in art today? Who did you have lunch with today? If, they, if you go with the broad statement, how was school, a lot of kids feel like they're being interrogated, feeling like, I don't want to talk, and I got to tell my mom what happened today, and it's irritating. Or some kids may just shut down and say, I don't want to talk, nothing happened today. So by picking things that you know they enjoy, if they're in a robotics class, how was robotics today? Because you're engaging with them more on their level. You're still parental, but you want to be on their level for them to open up to you. Now, you don't want to be inappropriate on their level, obviously, but maintain the boundaries of being a parent, but tapping into their interests and, and what's going on and letting them know that you care and you're interested in what they did in PE. And maybe they'll say, we played kickball. I hated kickball. If my mom would have asked me, what did you do in PE today? I would have said, kickball, and I hate kickball. Why do they always have to play kickball in PE? And that's it. And you just talk about that answer. And that's it. You don't have to go, so what happened in the rest of your classes? Let it be there. You can do that on other days. Let them feel like it's not an interrogation that... You're hoping they have fun, and you just want to know a little bit as their parent or guardian or family member of what they did or what they enjoyed during the day. And sometimes those conversations may evolve into other things that happen, and then you can go with the flow. You don't want to stop them and not talk about it. If there's a natural flow and it goes into other topics or something great, good that didn't, something not so good that happened in school, then let them talk. It's just techniques. It's hard to be a parent. It's hard to be a parent of a school-age child. And it's hard to be a parent of a school-age child during a global pandemic. So how are you going to help your kids navigate the gauntlet? By being supportive, trying some of the techniques I recommended, or researching some other techniques so you don't get frustrated, so you feel connected also. 
it's a give and take relationship with our kids. It can't be one way. We have to let them know that we care, they care, and we give and take between each other in our relationships. And this in time, if you create this habit, will carry with them all the way through college. And they will still tell you what they did today. And they'll want to tell you. And they'll enjoy telling you. And they'll tell you the bad, not so good things. And that's okay because that's what we want to hear. And we want to hear as they're growing up, how do they cope and how do they handle situations? Because then we know how they'll fare in the real world someday. I mean, that's our ultimate job as caretakers of kids is to bring them up in this world and to make them productive, successful adults. That's our job. So helping them get through the gauntlet that is school is part of our job too. And we're all learning. And that's why I talked about it today because this is a learning process for all of us. And the mental health issues are there with our kids. And the more we let them express to us and the more we understand and don't um, reprimand them for certain things that they might have done because of their stress and their anxiety, we need to listen because we're inexperienced at this. They're the novices in this. They're the ones who are going through it. So we need to learn a little bit from them of what it's like to be in school during a global pandemic. Open your eyes, open your ears, and listen and be comforting to them. Thank you so much for joining me today for episode 51, The Gauntlet That Is School. Remember to go out there and explore all the wide open spaces in your world. Remember, positive thoughts always create positive energy. Check out my website, my blog, and until next time, my friends, ciao.